0: 12, sit at it in advance across the open fields, this was successfully accomplished, the battalion being subjected to intense artillery, machine gun and rifle fire continuously, the battalion Duncan, having gained its objectives, the Farm de la Rivière and the railroad south of the canal, held on tenaciously in spite of the intense fire of the enemy and held the positions gained until the pursuit began on October 12, 1918, when it passed 8 into the reserve of the division. During the occupancy of the sector, from September 22, 1918, to October 12, 1918, patrols from the three battalions were out night and day between the lines making necessary reconnaissances. On October 4, 1918, a volunteer patrol of 20 men under command of Captain Chester Sanders in an effort to discover whether the enemy had abandoned the woods penetrated the boys to Mortier to a point about 100 yards behind the enemy positions and having been discovered were fired on from all sides by numerous machine guns. The patrol returned to our lines intact. For this exploit Captain Sanders was awarded the French Croix de Guerre and the patrol received the commendation of the commanding general of the division. On October 7, 1918, after five minutes violent bombardment by our artillery, Three raiding parties from Company F made a dash for the triangle formed by the railroad, the Lois Lane Canal and the vaux Road. One of these parties gained the enemy trenches along the canal, ejecting the enemy after a hand grenade fight. All parties returned to our lines intact though several were wounded. Lieutenant William Warfield of the battalion Duncan single-handed took an enemy machine gun nest which had been harassing his company. And after disposing of the enemy machine gunners returned to our lines with the gun. Numerous other acts of gallantry were performed in the sector for which officers and men received both French and American decorations. At 9.20 a.m. on October 12, 1918, the alert was given for a general advance by the entire division and the battalions assembled at the zones of assembly previously designated. The battalion Stokes was given the mission of clearing the boys to Mortier and the battalion Patton was placed at the disposition of Lieutenant Colonel Lugand of the 232nd Infantry and the 3rd Battalion was placed in the Divisional Reserve. At about 11 o'clock a.m. the pursuit began, the 1st Battalion clearing the boys to Mortier and successfully reaching its first objective, Penancourt, the same date, and continuing the pursuit the next day to a point west of Molinchart. The Battalion Patton, having been assigned as the support battalion of the 232nd Regiment of Infantry, took up the pursuit via Anisiel Chateau, Cessiers and the boys to Wari. Bivouacking the night of October 14th in the vicinity of the Bois. These battalions were commended by the commanding general. The Battalion Stokes for its passage of the exceedingly strong position in the Bois de Mortier and the 2nd for its well conducted marching pursuit via Anizil Chateau. On account of the straightening out of the lines due to the retreat of the enemy, the 59th Division was withdrawn on October 14th and sent back for rest. The regiment being sent into the Saint Gobain forest and vicinity for this purpose. Ten of the twelve days in this locality were spent in hard work on the roads and the last two were given over to the re-equipping of the regiment. On October 22, 1918, Major Rufus M. Stokes was relieved from command of the 1st Battalion and assigned to duty as administrative officer of the regimental combat and supply trains. Captain John T. Prout was assigned to the command of the 1st Battalion. On October 27, 1918, The regiment was again ordered into the lines and at midnight on that date the 2nd Battalion moved up into support positions in the vicinity of Grandlap. The 1st Battalion on October 29, 1918, moved up into support positions in the vicinity of the same village. During this time the 3rd Battalion was located at Mano Farm in reserve. The battalions remained in various positions in the vicinity of Grandlap until November 5, 1918, on which date the enemy again began to retreat and while thus occupied were subjected to severe shelling and those units occupying front-line positions too much machine gun and rifle fire, casualties were few except in company as stationed in the vicinity of Chantrob Farm, where an enemy shell fell in the midst of the company at mess, killing 35 men and wounding 50, thus causing the company to be withdrawn from the lines. On the morning of November 5, a general advance was ordered and the enemy retreated before it, the retreat of the enemy was so rapid that our troops did not catch up with them until about November 8, on which date a general attack by the division was ordered. The 2nd Battalion on the left of the division was given the task of clearing out the enemy from positions along the Hershon Railroad and the heights of Obenton. After an all-day fight the battalion reached its objective about nightfall. The French division on the left did not advance as anticipated, allowing to enemy resistance on their front and the 2nd Battalion having advanced about two kilometers to the front suffered severely on account of the exposed flank, three men being killed and two officers and thirty-three enlisted men being wounded. On the morning of the 9th the enemy again retreated and the 2nd Battalion continued the pursuit to Goncelin, resting there for the night and on the morning of the both was ordered to Cantonment at Pont where it was located at the taking effect of the armistice. On November 6, the 1st Battalion took up the pursuit in support of the Battalion Mitchell of the 325th Regiment of Infantry, advancing via Brizecourt and repair to Hill 150 near Saint Pierremont. Company C, having passed aid on into the front lines at the Brizecourt Farm, upon arrival near Saint Pierremont, were ordered on the morning of November 6, 1918, to attack and occupy Saint Pierremont, cross the Serre River, and take up a position along the railroad track. The mission of the company was successfully accomplished in spite of the strong resistance of the enemy. saint Pierremont being occupied, the river crossed and three pieces of enemy artillery as well as several machine guns taken. For this operation company C was cited and awarded the French Croix de Guerre with a palm, the highest French citation received in the regiment. The battalion continued the pursuit until arrival at Montplaisier, when it was ordered back to Fliny where it was encampment at the taking effect of the armistice. The 3rd Battalion took up the pursuit on November 5th, resting in the open fields the nights of the 5th and 6th. The battalion in moving up advanced via Bosmont and Montplaisier and on into the front lines at the Rue Larcher on November 7th, 1918. In the afternoon of the 8th orders were received to deliver a cover fire for French units which were to make an attack on the village of Logny, which was strongly held by the enemy. Company and having been assigned for this work, moved out from Herneby's and advanced to a position where the cover fire could be effectively delivered, and opened fire. About this time word was received from the French commander that his troops could not advance on account of the severe shell and machine gun fire, and Company and having arrived at a position where it was safer to go ahead than to a retreat, attacked the town and drove the enemy therefrom, for this action Lieutenant Osceola Browning. Commanding Company M and several others received the French Croix de Guerre and Sergeant Lester Fossy both the Croix de Guerre and the American Distinguished Service Cross. On November 10, 1918, the advance and pursuit was continued, that it the battalion was temporarily stopped by intense shell fire. On November 11, 1918, the pursuit was again taken up with Resinas as the principal objective. Later the objective was changed to Gpachus, Belgium which objective was reached a few minutes before the taking effect of the armistice, an enemy combat train of about 50 vehicles being captured about this time. A few days after the armistice, the regiment began to move southward, taking station in villages in the vicinity of verniel Cesare. Illustration, some war cross winners of 8th Illinois 370th Infantry. Front row left to right, C.A.P.D. G.M. Allen. Eliudy. O.A. Browning. C.A.P.D. D.J. Warner. L.I.U.D. R.I.B.T.I.S.T.A.L.L. Standing left to a right, L.I.U.D. R.O.B.D. P. Heard, L.I.U.D. Call, Otis B. Duncan, Major J.R. White, C.A.P.D., W.B. Crawford, L.I.U.D., W.M., W.A.R.I.F.I.E.L.D., C.A.P.D., Matthew Jackson. On December 12, 1918, the regiment formally passed aid from the French command and to Brest Vice Soissons and mans. Arriving at the latter place on January 10, 1919, on February 2, 1919, the regiment embarked on the SS Lo France Ivy, en route to the U.S. arriving on February 9, 1919, and taking station at Camp Upton, Long Island, N.Y., on February 17, 1919, the regiment left Camp Upton for Camp Grant, Illinois, via Chicago where it was accorded a wonderful and never-to-be-forgotten reception by the citizens of Chicago. After arrival at Camp Grant, work incident to the demobilization of the regiment was commenced. The majority of officers and enlisted men were discharged from the service during the latter part of February, and finally on March 12, 1919, orders were issued declaring that the regiment had ceased to exist. The health of the regiment while in the service was exceptional. The medical detachment, under command of Major James R. White, worked incessantly to protect the health of the command. Before departure for France a number of cases of pneumonia of a very severe type developed, but only two deaths resulted. The medical detachment was divided among the various units. Captain Spencer C. Dickerson having charge of the detachment attached to the 1st Battalion, Lieutenant James F. Lawson that of the 2nd Battalion, and Lieutenant Claudius Ballard that of the 3rd Battalion. The work of these detachments was at all times of a high order of excellence, and during engagements both officers and men in numerous instances went out into the open and rendered first aid to the wounded after terrific fire. Each man wounded, however slightly, was given an injection of anti-tetanic serum and as a result no cases of tetanus were reported, nor were any cases of Gasboxillis infection reported. During the severe fighting around the gil and De farms, More help was needed and Lieutenant Park Tansil, dental surgeon, volunteered to take charge of one of the first aid stations which was daily receiving showers of shells from the enemy batteries. Lieutenant Claudius Ballard, though wounded during the fighting, refused to be evacuated and continued his duties administering to the wounded. Major James R. White made daily rounds of the first aid stations in the lines, disregarding the intense fire of the enemy and personally dressing numbers of wounded. For their heroic conduct in administering to the wounded under fire, Major White and Lieutenant Stansel and Ballard as well as several enlisted men of the medical detachment, were awarded the French Croix de Guerre, and Private Alfred Williamson of the detachment was awarded both the French Croix de Guerre and the American Distinguished Service Cross. Roster of officers sold 8th Illinois 370th Infantry All Negroes unless otherwise designated, field and staff F.A. Denison, commanding until July 12th. 1918, Invalid Home, Call, T.A. Roberts White, Commanding after July 12, 1918, Major James R. White, Surgeon, Major W.H. Roberts White, Operation Officer, Capt. Charles W. Fillmore, Personnel Officer, Capt. John H. Patton, Commanding 2nd Battalion, Capt. James Eden Jill Assistant to Adjutant, 1st Lute, George Murphy, Assistant to Adjutant, 1st Lute, Louis C. Washington. Administrative Officer, 2nd Loot, Noble Sissel. Assistant to Administrative Officer, 1st Loot, Park Tansil, Dentist, 1st Loot, John T. Clemons. Chaplain. 1st Battalion Major Rufus M. Stokes. Commanding, 2nd Loot, M. F. Stapleton White. Battalion Adjutant, Capt. Spencer C. Dickerson. Medical Officer, 1st Loot, Harry W. Jones. Battalion Supply Officer. Company A, Capt. Squirt A. Betts, 1st loot. John L. McDonald, 1st loot. Robert L. Chavez, 2nd Loot. Wycombe Tyler, 2nd loot. Howard F. Bell, 2nd loot. Will I. Earls, company B. capped, Stuart Alexander, 1st loot. Robert P. Heard, 1st loot. Franklin McFarland, 1st loot. Samuel Ransom, 2nd loot. Fred K. Johnson, 2nd loot. Samuel Block, Company C. capped, James H. Smith, 1st loot. Samuel S. Gordon, 1st Lute, Harry Ann Shelton, 1st Lute, Arthur Jones, 2nd Lute, Elmer J. Myers, 2nd Lute, Roy B. Testell, Machine Gun Company Captain D. Warner, 1st Lute, George C. Lacey, 2nd Lute, Thomas A. Painter, 2nd Lute, Bernard McGuin, 2nd Lute, Homer C. Kelly, 2nd Lute, Julian D. Rainey, 2nd Battalion Capt, John H. Patton, Commanding, 1st Lute, Samuel A. McGowan, Battalion Adjutant, 1st Lute, James F. Lawson, Medical Officer, 1st Lute, Rufus H. Baycote, Medical Officer, 1st Lute, William Nichols, Battalion Supply Officer, Company F. Capt, Rufus Reed, 1st Lute, Carter W. Wesley, 2nd Lute, Edward Douglas, 2nd Lute, Robert A. D. Burchett, Company G. Capt, George M. Allen, 1st Lute, Durand Harding, 1st Lute, Gerald C. Bunn, First Loot. Harvey E. Johnson. Second Loot. Clarence H. Bouchon. Company H. Capt. James C. Hall. First Loot. Harry L. Allen. First Loot. George L. Amos. First Loot. Binga Dismond. Second Loot. Lawrence Willett. Second Loot. John A. Hall. Machine Gun Company No. 2. Capt. Lilburn Jackson. Second Loot. Frank T. Logan. Second Loot. Junies Walt Hall. Second Loot. William A. Barnett. Third Battalion Loot. Call. Otis B. Duncan. Commanding, 2nd Lute. Stanley B. Norville. Battalion Adjutant, 1st Lute. Claudius Ballard. Medical Officer, 1st Lute. William J. Warfield. Battalion Supply Officer. Company I. Cap. Lorino Sanford. 1st Lute. Howard R. Brown. 2nd Lute. D. Lincoln Reed. 2nd Lute. Edmund G. White. 2nd Lute. Oswald Desverney. 2nd Lute. Harry J. Douglas. Company L. Capt. William B. Crawford. 1st Lute. Frank Robinson. Provost Officer, 1st, loot Frank W. Bates, 2nd loot, James H. Beaton, 2nd loot for J. Harris, Company M. Capt, Edward W. Spearman, 1st Lute Osceola A. Browning, 1st Loot, Jerome L. Hubert, 2nd loot, Lawson Price, 2nd loot, Irving T. Howe, 2nd Lute, Larkland F. Hewitt, Machine Gun Company Number 3 Capt, Matthew Jackson, 1st loot, William C. P. Phillips, 2nd loot. Charles C. Jackson, 2nd loot Quad W. Donaldson, 2nd loot George F. Proctor, Special Units Headquarters Company Capt, Louis E. Johnson, 1st loot Robert A. J. Shaw, 1st loot, Vinode H. Lee, 2nd loot Elias F. E. Williams, Pioneer Officer, 2nd Loot, Rufus B. Jackson, Stokes Mortar, 2nd Loot, Reggie L. W. Harang, Signal Officer, Supply Company Capt, Lloyd G. Wheeler, 1st Loot, Harry Wheeler, First Loot. James A. Riggs, 1st Lute, Dan M. Moore, Medical Officer, 2nd Lute Augustus M. Fisher, Veterinary Surgeon, Depot Company K Cap H. Lewis, Commanding, 2nd Lute, Alvin M. Jordan, Adjutant, 1st Lute, Norman Garrett, 1st Lute, Napoleon Biro, Rowe, Dentist, 1st Lute, George W. Antoine, Medical Officer, 2nd Lute Avon H. Williams, 2nd Lute, Edward L. Goodlett, 2nd Lute Frank Corbin, Second Lute Frederick L. Slade. Second Lute. Walter H. Aiken. Second Lute. Rufus A. Atkins. Second Lute James T. Baker. Second Lute. John S. Banks. Second Lute. Marcus A. Bernard. Second Lute. Charles E. Bryant. Second Lute Henry H. Carr. Second Lute. Horace E. Colley. Second Lute. Ira R. Collins. Second Lute. Charles H. Conley. Second Lute. Bernie B. Cohen. Second Lute. Flannoy Cunningham. Second Lute. Frank P. Dawson, 2nd Lute, Samuel A. Dillard, 2nd Lute, John W. Harries, Roll of honor heroes of old 8th Illinois Negro National Guardsmen known in France as the 370th Infantry, who were decorated with the Croix de Guerre, the exploits of some of these men and also of some of those in the appended list decorated with the Distinguished Service Cross, are mentioned in the chapters devoted to the regiment, call, T. A. Roberts White Lute. call, Otis B. Duncan Major James R. White capped, John H. Patton capped, Chester Sanders capped, John T. Prout capped, Samuel Orguin capped, R. J. Warner capped, W. M. B. Crawford capped, George M. Allen capped, James C. Hall capped, Stuart Alexander capped, Matthew Jackson capped, James H. Smith loot, Park Tansel loot, Osceola Browning loot, George C. Lacey loot, Frank Robinson loot, Claudius Ballard loot. Charles C. Jackson lute. William J. Warfield lute. Samuel S. Gordon lute. Robert P. Hurd lute. Henry N. Shelton lute. Henry P. Cheatham lute. Stanley B. Norval, lute. Roy B. Testel lute. Thomas A. Painter lute. Lawson Price lute. Lincoln D. Reed lute. Elmer J. Myers served. Norman Henry served. Clarence T. Gibson served. Matthew Jenkins served. Cecil Nelson served. Howard Templeton served. Chiz T. Monroe served. Derry Brown Corporation James R. Brown Corporation Lewis Warner Corporation Joseph Henderson Corporation Masha O. H. Ervallon Corporation William Stevenson Corporation Anil Laurent Corporation Charles T. Brock PDD Nathaniel C. White deceased PDD Robert Pride PDD George P. White PDD Howard Sheffield PDD Cornelius Robinson PDD Ulysses Sales, PDD William Cuff deceased PDD Hugh Givens PDD Arthur Johnson PDD Rufus Pence PDD Albert Dorsey P.D.D., William Hurdle P.D.D., B. McVisick P.D.D., Jonas Paxton P.D.D., Harry Pearson P.D.D., Paul Erling P.D.D., Reed J. Brown P.D.D., Paul Johnson P.D.D., Reedy Jones P.D.D., Alonzo Keller P.D.D., Leroy Lindsay P.D.D., Laverne Massey P.D.D., Josiah Nades P.D.D., Ira Taylor P.D.D., Jesse Ferguson P.D.D., William M. Robinson awarded Distinguished Service Crosses by General Pershing, Capt. William B. Crawford Lute. William J. Warfield served. Norman Henry served. Ralph Gibson served. Robert Barnes served. Charles T. Monroe served. Emma Thompson served. Lester Fossy served. Matthew Jenkins PDD. Tom Powell deceased PDD. Andrew McCall PDD. WM. Cuff deceased PDD. Sturley Irby PDD. Alfred Williamson PDD. William G. Hurdle PDD. Harry Pearson PDD. Alonzo Walton PDD. Leroy Davis PBD. James nothing PBD. Nathaniel C. White deceased PBD. Arthur Johnson Chapter X V I I I, Blood of the black and white in one rivulet of departing life Lincoln's prophetic words Negroes alongside best soldiers in the world hold their own the 372nd Regiment Brigade with veterans of the Marani famous Red Hand Division Occupy Hill 304 at the and nine days battle in bloody argon admiration. Of the French conspicuous components of 372nd chronology of service, they will probably help in some trying time to keep the jewel of liberty in the family of freedom. Abraham Lincoln. Prophetic words uttered by the great emancipator concerning the Negroes of America. The Negroes helped. They would have helped in much greater measure had they been given the opportunity fighting for the first time on the soil of the world's most famous battleground Europe and for the first time brought into direct comparison with the best soldiers of the world, they proved themselves able to hold their own where tests of courage, endurance and aggressiveness were most severe. They fought valiantly in the vicinity of Chateau 3 on the Vizal, on the Aolet, in the Argonne, and various other sectors, and in the final drive at Metz, they vanquished the Germans who opposed them the heaviest fire of the enemy failing to stop their advance. No part of the 93rd Division made a more gallant record than the 372nd Regiment. Throughout its service in France it was a part of the famous French 157th Division known as the Red Hand Division. Under the command of General Goybet, it was this division which first opposed the Huns at the Marne in 1914. To brigade the Negro soldiers with such famous veterans was a rare mark of distinction and placed the black men on their mettle at all times. The 372nd arrived in France on April 14 and went into training with the French 11 days later. On May 29 the regiment took over a sector in the Argonne and on June 20 was sent to the trenches just west of Verdun, occupying the famous battle-swept hill 304, and sections at Fort de Paris and Vauquois. On Hill 304 thousands of French and Germans had fallen as the battle line swung back and forward. That this hill was given to the Negroes to hold demonstrated that as soldiers they had already won the confidence of the French. The regiment's first engagement was in the Champagne sector with Montoy's as an objective. Here came the real test. The Negroes were eager to get into the fight. They cheered and sang when the announcement came that their opportunity had arrived but the question was, back of their enthusiasm had they the staying qualities drilled into European troops through centuries of training in the science of warfare. The answer was that some of the heaviest and most effective fighting of the day was done by the Negro Regiment. From June 6 to September 10, b 372nd was stationed in the bloody Argonne Forest or in the vicinity of Verdun. On the night of September 25th they were summoned to take part in the Argonne Offensive and were in that terrific drive, one of the decisive engagements of the war. From September 28th to October 7th, in the nine days battle the Negroes not only proved their fighting qualities in an ordeal such as men rarely have been called upon to face, but these qualities in deadly striking power and stubborn resistance in crises, stood out with such distinction that the coveted Croix de Guerre was bestowed upon the regiment. The casualty list of the 372nd in the and previous fighting carried 500 names of men killed, wounded and gassed. For their achievements they were at once cited for bravery and efficiency in general orders from the corps commander transmitted through their French divisional chief. It was dated October 8 and read as follows, in transmitting you with legitimate pride the thanks and congratulations of General Garnier du Plessis. Allow me, my dear friends of all ranks, American and French. To address you from the bottom of the heart of a chief and soldier, the expression of gratitude for the glory you have lent to our good 157th Division. During these nine days of hard fighting you have progressed 8 kilometers 4.8 miles through powerfully organized defenses, taken 600 prisoners, captured 15 heavy guns, 20 menenwerfers and, and nearly 150 machine guns, secured an enormous amount of engineering material and important supplies of artillery ammunition. And brought down by your fire three enemy aeroplanes. The red hand sign of the division has, thanks to you, become a bloody hand which took the Bosch by the throat and made him cry for mercy. You have well avenged our glorious dead. G-O-Y-B-E. In a communication delivered to the colonel of the regiment on October 1st, General Goybet said, "Your troops have been admirable in their attack. You must be proud of the courage of your officers and men, and I consider it an honor to have them under my command." The bravery and dash of your regiment won the admiration of the Moroccan division, who are themselves versed in warfare, thanks to you. During these hard days, the division was at all times in advance of all other divisions of the Army Corps. I am sending you all my thanks and beg you to transmit them to your subordinates. I call on your wounded. Their morale is higher than any praise. The high honor of having its flag decorated with the Croix de Guerre was bestowed upon the regiment in the city of Brest just a few days before it embarked for the return to America. Vice-Admiral Moreau, the French commander of the Port of Brest, officially represented his government in the ceremony. It was intended as France's appreciation of the services of these Negro fighters. The decoration took place at one of the most prominent points in the city and was witnessed by thousands of French soldiers and civilians as well as by sailors and soldiers of several nations. One of the conspicuous components of the 372nd was the battalion, formed from what formerly was known as the 1st Separate Battalion of the District of Columbia National Guard. This famous old Washington organization has a long, proud history. Many of the members were veterans of the Spanish-American War. At the close of the European War, the organization numbered 480 men from the city of Washington, 20 of whom had been decorated one or more times for individual bravery under fire. The battalion was first assembled at Potomac Park on the Speedway in Washington. Shortly after the declaration of war, the men spent almost half a year at the camp, during which time they had the important assignment of guarding railway and highway bridges and adjacent points around the national capital. They also had the proud distinction of guarding the secret archives and departments at Washington. A duty which required in question loyalty and for which the Negroes were well selected. It seemed at the time an inconspicuous bit of wartime soldiering, and they were long trying days to the men, but it was a service which required intelligence and nerve, as the likelihood was great that the enemy's agents in this country would strike in the vicinity of the seat of government. That such responsible duty was delegated to the Negroes was a high compliment from the military authorities. The manner in which they discharged the duty is shown in the fact that no enemy depredations of any consequence occurred in the vicinity of Washington. After a period of training at Camp Stuart, Newport News, VA, the battalion was sent to France. Its colored commander was dead. Other colored officers were soon superseded, leaving the chaplain, Lt. Derrington the only colored officer attached to the organization, arriving at St. Nazaire, France, April 14. 1918. The battalion was soon sent to conde and varois where it underwent a period of intensive training with special preparation for sector warfare. The instructors were French. Lessons were hard and severe, but the instructors afterwards had much cause for pride in their pupils. From the training camp the battalion and regiment proceeded to the Argonne Front, At first settling in the vicinity of local aid. It was there the soldiers received their first taste of warfare and it was there their first casualties occurred. September 14th, the outfit withdrew and retired to the rear for a special training prior to participation in the general attack from Verdun to the sea. On the morning of September 28th, the District of Columbia Battalion was sent to the front to relieve a regiment of famous Moroccan shock troops. It was at this time that the Champagne offensive took such a decided turn and the Washington men from that time on were taking a most active and important part in the general fighting. They distinguished themselves at Ripon just north of St. Menehold. They suffered greatly during their valiant support of an advanced position in that sector. Despite its losses the battalion fought courageously ahead. Prior to that it had occupied Hill 304 at Verdun. It had the distinction of being the first American outfit to take over that sector. The battalion fought doggedly and bravely at Ripon and succeeded in gaining much valuable territory as well as enemy machine guns and supplies and 90-hung prisoners. Later the battalion held a front-line position at Montbois, and it finally formed a salient in the line of the 9th French Army Corps. It was subjected to a long period of grueling fire from the Bosch's famous Austrian 88s and machine guns, and an incessant barrage from German weapons of high caliber. The regiment moved south to the Vosges, where the battalion took up a position in subsector B in front of St. Maria mines where it was situated when word of the armistice came the record of the negro warriors from the district of columbia is very succinctly contained in a diary kept by chaplain lieutenant during it relates the activities of the unit from the time they sailed from newport news march 30th 1917 until the end of the war it is also a condensed account of the major operations of the 372nd regiment the diary follows march 30th embarked from newport news v a for overseas duty on the USS Susquehanna, April 17th disembarked at Saint Nazaire and marched to a rest camp. April 21st left rest camp, base section number one, and in train for Vabecourt. April 23rd arrived at Vabecourt at 7 p.m., left Bobby Court at 8:30 p.m., and hiked in a heavy rainstorm to Conde and Barois. April 25th assigned to school under French officers. May 26 left Condé and Barois at 8 a.m. in French motor trucks for El Senades. May 29 our regiment today took over the sector designated as Argonne West. May 31 in front line trenches. June 20 changed sectors. Being assigned to the Vauqua sector, a subsector of the Verdun front, the 157th division is stationed in reserve. The enemy is expected to attack. July 13 left for Hill 304 on the Verdun sector. Colonel Young has been relieved from command and Colonel Herschel Toups has assumed command July 25th left Zevry Leperch to take over Hill 304 arrived at Hill 304 at 9 p.m. August 16th heavily shelled by regiment of Austrians opposing us two Americans and one Frenchman in the regiment killed August 20th Lieutenant James Sanford Company A captured by the Germans August 21st fight by French and German planes over our lines very exciting. September 8th left Hill 304, relieved by 129th Infantry of the 33rd Division, hiked in rain and but for Brocourt, September 14th arrived at Juvigny at noon, September 17th left Juvigny for Brian Le Chateau at 8 p.m. passed through Brian Le Chateau and reached the Trillo Francois this afternoon, the city is near the Marne, September 18th hiked to Jessicourt, all colored officers left the regiment today. September 28th arrived at Hans, the regiment was in action in the vicinity of Repont, The 3rd Battalion took up a battle position near Repont, September 29th the 3rd Battalion went over the top, the Germans are in retreat, our positions are being bombarded, the machine gun fire is terrific and 88mm shells are falling as thick and fast as hailstones, we are unable to keep up with the enemy, this afternoon it is raining, this makes it bad for the wounded of whom there are many. September 30th